Good afternoon, Rich Nass, Executive Vice President with Open Systems Media and leader of the Embedded Computing Design Franchise, here for this week's Embedded Executive Podcast. This week, my guest is Alistair Fulton, who is the Senior Vice President and General Manager of Semtex Wireless and Sensing Products Group. How are you, Alistair? I'm great. Thanks, Rich. Thanks for the invite to come on the show. My pleasure. Well, the reason for having you on is uh, sort of an unfortunate event on my part. The uh, LoRaWAN Expo was a couple weeks ago, and I was not able to attend, thanks to uh, Air France. <laughs> they decided oh. that I should not attend. So um, literally, bags packed, within an hour of leaving for the airport, I get the, the dreaded email, we're sorry, your flight's been canceled. So I did not make it to the event, and you did. So I was hoping we could start by just filling in me and the audience on what I missed. Yeah, yeah. And, and by the way, I don't think you were alone in that. We had quite a few folks for whom uh, their their decision to participate was, let's say, uh, <laughs> not our curtailed <laughs> by uh, the European uh, air travel yes. uh, situation. So yeah, it was a uh, uh, actually the first, I will say, really big get together of the LoRaWAN ecosystem um, that we've staged, really, and and the first that's really been. Um, very deliberately kind of open to everybody, open to the public. I mean, the Law Alliance is a is a, a an organization obviously Semtex part of, along with a whole bunch of other companies. Um, and we've really focused um, uh, on getting the standard in place and you know the, the the kind of the administrative aspects, if you like, of, of creating a new wireless technology. Um, and, and in the last few years, that's obviously pivoted much more into a, a, an ecosystem activity, engaging with customers. So um, that was the kind of the, 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 the positioning for LoRaWAN World Expo. Um, we ended up with about, I think, 1,200 people registered uh, across 68 different countries. I think almost 50% of the attendees were non-members of the Laura Alliance. Mm -hmm. So, so users of the technology, prospective users of the technology, and of course, a whole bunch of, of media and analysts who, who came along to kind of hear about what was happening, including yourself, you know, <laughs> to, right. to get a, a sense of, you know, on the ground of the level of energy in the ecosystem and, and, and really how things are progressing. Now, um, I should have asked this at the beginning. I, I, apologize you're representing semtech but what is your role within the laura alliance so um for semtech i run the wireless and sensing business my role in the laura alliance personally is fairly minimal but folks on my team are, are variously on the board of the laura alliance and and you know we we obviously work as part of you know our role in the ecosystem you know to support a lot of the marketing activities and so forth but but it you know glad to say that that's along with many other members you know ranging from you know the cisco's of this world to amazon microsoft and you know the list is long um but yeah we're we're, we're very active participants in the law alliance and very much believe you know one of the really distinguishing characteristics of of laura one i'm not going to talk about laura one a lot is it's a it's a community driven thing you know, um, it's an ecosystem defined protocol. It's an ecosystem defined standard. And, you know, very early in the process of building um, the LoRa uh, technology and LoRaWAN, the protocol that runs on top of it, you know, we very consciously made a decision that this, it's not our role as a, as a silicon company, frankly, to be trying to define a protocol because we're probably going to get it wrong. Um, so we participate as part of that broader ecosystem. Um, we listen to that ecosystem. It drives our product roadmap. 
you know people tell us what they need we go build it you know our job is very much providing tools um, to that ecosystem as, as a member so when you say ecosystem slash community driven how does that communication occur you, you, know, you say they tell us what to build and we build it how do they tell you how do they tell us? That's a great question. Um, so the, the ongoing workings of the Law Alliance, very much like any other um, standards body, very regular meetings, weekly meetings, you know, from the marketing perspective, technical perspective, um, which we're obviously you know, closely engaged with. And, and we learn from, from those discussions you know, a very great deal about what's missing and what's not working and what do we need the technology to do? How do we make it simpler? How do we make it easier to use? Um, and then, honestly, for things, for things like the Law Around World Expo, you know, actually hearing from people who aren't already using the technology today or maybe just trying it um, to, to understand, well, you know, what is it that you're trying to achieve in the IoT? What tools do you need? Um, and, and what part of that jigsaw can we help you with? Because I think when you look at IoT as a whole, it is very much a jigsaw of different technologies. And each of those technologies needs to work. Um, needs to do the job it's assigned but it also needs to work with the other technologies so that you can kind of integrate so you know from a if you like from a product design perspective you know our thought process is you know what does the product have to do and what does it have to do with every, every all of the other technologies that you're going to use and so learning from 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 customers and and prospective users you know what's the what's the point of friction how do we solve it is is really critical um, for a customer-driven company like Semtech. It's it's the most valuable source of insight that we get. What are the other technologies that you're referring to? Say, um, we see to work with other technologies. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I it, it runs the gamut really. I mean, if you look at um, it, take a take a medium complexity IoT application in the industrial space, you have devices that need to send a lot of data in a short period of time. You have different requirements for latency, different requirements for power, and the range of technologies that you can use run from 5G all the way down to um, shorter range technologies like Bluetooth with everything else in between. And so we see customers using LoRa with Wi-Fi, LoRa with cellular, Wi-Fi with cellular, uh, and at the, the radio layer, it's important to, to, to establish interoperability. As important, I think, is, is when you look at the broader development process, you know, what are people trying to do with the data? Where are they trying to get it to? Um, and so integrating with platforms like Azure IoT and, and AWS, you know, that's how we work to make make it easier for you to land the data in the, in the cloud. And once it's in the cloud, it's, it's bits and bytes and, and you can you can use it proportionately. Um, so it's, it's both the, the end radio, you know, the destination for the data and, and pretty much everything in between that we think that we need to to kind of take into account. I think a lot of IoT technologies have suffered a bit because they were either deliberately or maybe inadvertently designed to be quote unquote differentiated. Um, and sometimes that means, you know, differentiated means it doesn't work with anything else because it's it's a, you know, you're trying to create a bit of a moat around the technology. Personally, I don't think that's really helped the IoT very much. And so it's something that we very deliberately try to avoid. So to be clear, are there multi-radio, what's the word I'm trying to use? Are there, are there devices that have multiple radios in them with one of them being LoRa and one of them oh, yeah. something like Bluetooth and Wi-Fi? Yeah, yeah. there are many, many of our customers who, who build devices that incorporate LoRa with Wi-Fi. But on, this, on the same piece of silicon in, in the same chip? 
not in the same chip, no, because if you think about the there's a different set of requirements for an LP WAN radio, different you know radio front end, different antenna requirements. You know there are opportunities to drive a combined silicon model, but in most cases it's it's more about combining different chipsets in in the same device in an efficient way so you avoid interference and so forth um, there's not that much economy to be gained um, from from creating a single single chip design um, now so having said that uh, you know a partner of ours st you know offers an soc product um, excellent product actually um, stm uh, 32wl which combines LoRa with, I believe, uh, Bluetooth ZigBee and a couple of other technologies, super, and a microcontroller, of course, which makes for a very flexible kind of Swiss army knife of a product that you can put into a bunch of different devices. From a device manufacturer's perspective, you know, I want to build one device that runs globally, and I want to build one device that matches to as many use cases as possible. And so those sorts of models, those SOC-type models that incorporate microcontrollers, I think are very attractive. Um, uh, for those reasons. And is is there talk of uh, increasing the bandwidth of LoRa so you don't need something like Bluetooth or Wi-Fi? Um, I mean, there, there is a, uh, a, a LoRa um, technology that runs in 2.4 band. Um, it's not part of LoRaWAN. Um, it may be in the future, not sure. Uh, that's something that, that actually... Um, we developed, you know, driven, driven by a, 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 a another customer a while back, but it's not so much an attempt to replace. It's more, you know, I, I, there are enough technologies out there today. Frankly, um, we don't need to come up with a slightly better version of, of of what's already there. What we need to do is fill the gaps that exist in that map. Um, and until really quite recently, the, there's been a gap around. Um, I need to run a device for a very long period of time. I need it not to be tethered to power. So it needs to run on a battery or a renewable energy source. And I need to be able to deploy it somewhere remote or nasty or hard to get to and just know that it's going to run for 10, 15 years or so. That's been a very difficult problem to solve. I mean, I like many people in the IoT industry, I started my days in, in cellular you know, and cellular and satellite and things like that, they're real sledgehammers of technologies. I mean, there's nothing you can't do um, with a 5G connection, really. But it comes with a big tariff in terms of the, the power requirements and, and, you know, deployment difficulty and so on. So technologies like LoRa and there are, there are other LP band technologies there as well, um, like MBOT, <coughs> excuse me, um, that um, have emerged in recent years to kind of fill that gap. Because for massive IoT, you know, what we term in the industry, you know, the hundreds of thousands of sensors, you know, on streetlights across an entire city or every cow in a herd, you know, those sorts of deployments, which really have a really massive potential to deliver, you know, benefit to, to mitigate climate um, change. Those have, those have been solutions that have been really quite hard to build. Um, and, and, and technologies like LPWAN kind of fill that gap quite nicely and complement the rest of the range. So what are the gaps that are not filled today by Laura that could be filled, say, in the next 18, 24 months? I think it's mostly about making t the technology uh, that we that we offer easier to use. You know, I, 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 you know I'm, I'm a long believer that, you know... From it, whose it, perspective? It, from the developer's perspective? Yeah, from a solution developer's perspective. And that can be someone who is, is the traditional software developer, and it can be at the other end of the scale, someone who's an embedded hardware developer, and increasingly, it's people who kind of sit in the middle and span the two. Um, you know, having having 
built my own solutions in the past and run businesses that were focused on building solutions for others, you know, honestly, there are a lot of businesses out there that have made a lot of money out of complexity. They've made a lot of money because it's been hard for enterprise customers to do it themselves. Um, I, I think that that just holds up adoption and ultimately it holds up the contribution that IoT can make to climate change. And so our focus is really on, you know, how do we take away the friction? You know, what's hard? What can we turn into a, a, an API call instead of having to write custom code? I'll give you an example. Um, things like geolocation. I mean, geolocation is is the location of an asset is is one of the most kind of universal, you know, points of value in an IoT solution. Most IoT solutions benefit from knowing where stuff is, because if you know where something is and you know its condition, then those two pieces of information together give you a chance to do something about it. And so previously calculating location for LP1 type solutions, you know, again, those things that require a battery that require to you know, be able to run for a long time remotely, it's been quite hard. I mean, it's doable, but it was quite difficult. And a lot of developers spent quite a good chunk of time essentially solving the same problem over and over again. Um, and so what we did a few years ago actually was say, well, there's no value in everybody having to do the same work over and again can't we just turn that into a simple cloud service that you can access over an API call? And that's when we launched a, a, a platform called Laura Cloud, which, which really is the, 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 the delivery vehicle, if you like, for a lot of the things mm -hmm. that we're doing. And so there are other problems as well as where is it? There's how do I provision it to a network? How do I understand what state it's in? And how do I understand if it needs maintenance? How do I update the firmware? All of those things are just points of friction. They don't add value to the application. They're just have to do's for the developer. And so most of our focus is on, you know, working down that list of things that are, you know, tricky but don't add value and solving them. Because if we do that as an ecosystem, and when I say ecosystem, I mean the IoT ecosystem as a whole. If we as technology providers to the IoT community out there do our jobs well and make these technologies easier to use, those customers are going to spend more time building better solutions and delivering more value to their customers. So it's a it's a win-win. Very good. Well, it sounds like I missed a pretty interesting event. That is a bummer. It was, it was a lot of fun, I've got to say. And, and aside from anything else, just a delight to be in Europe, surrounded by our, you know, the community that we're part of. I mean, you know, very, on, a, on a very personal level, just really good to see people because it's been a hell of a long time. Um, COVID has, has taken us all and stuck us in our own little home offices and, and you know it, it sometimes you it's easy to forget how much you lose um, with that there's a lot that's been gained but there's a lot that's been lost so it was very nice to see everybody very nice and I couldn't agree more okay well we have to wrap up here that was Alistair Fulton he is the Senior Vice President and General Manager of Semtex Wireless and Sensing Products Group and I am Rich Nass with Open Systems Media you have a great day Alistair Thanks, Rich.